Nice to see your faces. Uh, we are in the middle. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Everyone turn around. Welcome home. <laughs> it is so. <laughs> that whole back row just got home from deployment. So it is so nice to see you guys. Cool. Okay. Um, we are in the middle of a sermon series called The Valley. Um, it's representative of a low spot in our life. That's an all-inclusive and normal spot in life that everyone will experience at some point. You may be in a valley right now. You may have just come out of a valley. Or you may be on your way to one. (laughs) Uh, During this specific series, we're looking at four different valleys that are common in today's world with the hope and prayer that we will experience the tangible presence of God in the middle of walking through the valley. We've heard from Pastor Drew the past two weeks on the valley of waiting and the valley of depression. If you haven't heard those, I encourage you to go onto our website and listen to them. They are solid words of hope. Today, I want you to listen to a few of these scenarios and see if you can guess what we're gonna be talking about today, right? You are alone in a waiting room. Your loved one is being prepped for life or death surgery. You've been called into your boss's office. You're let go. And on your drive home, you start wondering, what is life gonna look like? You get hired for a job and you feel completely unqualified. You've been hiding a secret. A loved one asks to talk with you. Last one, for a little levity, you see a spider. (laughs) Can anyone guess it? Fear, the valley of fear. Fear can be defined as this. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or is a threat. Fear of death, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, fear of being known. These are just a few of the many fears that people experience. Everyone feels fear. Fear either drives us to the valley or it is a symptom of being in the valley. Either way, it is a force to be reckoned with. In fact, you guys know that it is one of the most often commandments in scripture. Do not fear. It's in there almost over 200 times. Everyone feels fear. I often ask these questions. Is there a way to outsmart fear? Could knowledge or self-awareness or control dissipate fear? Is there a way that we could just eradicate fear altogether? Well, looking at scripture and history, no, we cannot. But today I want to look at just one man in scripture, one of the many people in scripture who faced fear. And I want to see if we can find any hope in this valley together. Okay, before we begin, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for being present always. Would you be present with us today, right now, 
as we talk about fear. Would your supernatural power and presence be in my words and supersede it all for your name and for your glory? Amen. All right, so go ahead and turn to 2 Kings. Uh, We're going to be camping out in chapters 18 and 19. We're going to be looking at the life of King Hezekiah. Now, at the beginning of chapter 18, we are introduced to Hezekiah. And I have a map to kind of reorient ourselves with history. The 12 tribes of Israel, they were split into two different kingdoms. The northern being Israel, the southern being Judah. And Hezekiah was the 13th appointed king to the southern kingdom of Judah in the capital of Jerusalem when he was 25 years old. Appointed king at 25 years old. No, thank you. He he reigned for 29 years. If we look at the start of chapter 18, we can see that King Hezekiah is described as this. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And Hezekiah, where's the next one? Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He believed in God. He trusted in God. He was celebrated for being unique and living into the purpose for which he was created to be. He was faithful to God. He was successful in his job. This is the Instagram reel of his life. Because behind the curtains, there was something else brewing. Mainly the northern kingdom, remember that map, the northern kingdom of Israel was being seized by the Babylonians. It happened when in year three of Hezekiah as reigning. And the king of Assyria took over and exiled God's people into captivity. And on top of that happening in the northern kingdom, it was prophesied that the southern kingdom was going to be taken as well. And unfortunately, that prophecy was nearing for Hezekiah. Because King Sennacherib... I'm going to shorten that today and just call him King Senna because I'm going to say it a lot and I don't want to say Senna Carib, okay? <laughs> so King Senna of Assyria, he was coming to attack the fortified cities of Judah and to conquer them. And so Hezekiah crafted a plan. He offered um, a payment to King Senna. After upping the payment, King Senna kindly accepted it. And then he actually went back on his word and decided that, in fact, he still really wanted to overtake the southern kingdom of Judah. So King Senna sent his chief, of, his chief of staff with a message to meet Hezekiah's officials. And this is what the message said. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? On Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, it will be like a reed that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. 
But perhaps you will say to me, we are trusting in the Lord, our God. But isn't he the one who was insulted by Hezekiah? Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah and Jerusalem worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem? I'll tell you what, strike a bargain with my master. Now, after hearing that message, Hezekiah's officials kind of start to notice a crowd gathering around them. Okay, so they kindly ask King Senna's men, hey, could you quiet down a little? They actually ask, could you speak in a different language so that no one else hears us, okay? Um, And King Senna, people, they don't like that, ask. So he, the chief of staff actually goes on to address everyone who has come around. And this is what he says, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you from my power. Don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord by saying the Lord will surely rescue us. Don't listen to Hezekiah when he tries to mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of any other nation ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? What happened to the gods of Hamath and Arpad? And what about the gods, this is a hard one for me, of Sepharvaim? Hena and Iva, did any God rescue Samaria from my power? What God of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? Well, with that message, Hezekiah's officials could look around and they could read the room. They saw people's emotions being heightened People felt danger being imposed by King Senna's men, and they started fearing the worst, battle and exile. Hezekiah's officials went back to report everything that had happened, and in return, Hezekiah was filled with fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of battle, fear of potential death for his people, fear of failing his job. The list could go on. He's actually so filled with fear, he tears his clothes. No, really, it's in scripture. Chapter 19, verse one. When King Hezekiah heard the report, he tore his clothes. I kind of wanted to have like a picture of Hulk Hogan, like, ah, like he tore him. <laughs> Side note. Anyway, okay, now tearing clothes is kind of a weird thing. But is it really? Because I identify with Hezekiah in this moment because so many times when I'm faced with fear, I do something abnormal, something that I normally don't do. I physically respond in some type of way that would leave people saying, well, that was weird. (laughs) However, this is actually not that weird at all. Now, I'm going to nerd out here for a minute um, and put into practice some of my psychology psychology degree from years ago. Um, Actually, I wrote years in here, but um, it's actually been decades. Um, Anyway, so hang with me while we go down this road, okay? Here's what we know from studying the brain and fear. I have a picture of the brain for you. This is from Colin Weber. Okay, so we know, can everyone see that? Do you see the little like pink swoosh 
in the middle there? Yeah? Okay, at the very end, there's like a little pink dot. That is called the amygdala, okay? It is the part of our brain that processes emotions, okay? When the amygdala is activated due to possible danger, it elicits the fear response, okay? So danger, the amygdala processes that and it goes, have fear, okay? This can happen when we are in actual danger, when we think that we are in danger, or when we experience some type of stimuli, either like artificially stimulated or by like watching a scary movie. <laughs> okay? You guys hanging with me? Okay. The amygdala processes emotional experience. I want to point out two other areas of the brain here, the frontal lobe and the prefrontal cortex. It's green and light green, okay? It's right at the front of your brain, okay? These two parts of the brain, they process things like language and impulse control, okay? So when we experience danger and start to have the emotion of fear, our brain reroutes all the energy being used in the brain to the amygdala, and in return, it slows down the processing of all other areas of our brain. That is why it can be difficult to speak or make rational decisions when we are afraid. Okay, I'm gonna go just a little bit further. When we experience fear and the amygdala is activated, our brain typically um, goes to like four different quick responses. Can you guys name them with me? There's four of them, and they all start with F. Ha-ha, yes, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, okay? An example of fight is someone is posing danger to me, and I just, like, punch, okay? I would actually put Hezekiah in this category, because although he doesn't, like, knock someone out, he tears his clothes. Like, he is ready to go, okay? Then there is flight, and an, an example of this would be like someone is running at me, and I'm like, what? I gotta go, and I run, I take off. I would, the story last week from Elijah, when he was, had a death threat from Jezebel, what did he do? He fled, he took off, okay, flight. An example of freeze would be like a bear is coming to attack me, and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna play dead. And I like fall over, right? And I'm just like, I, in hopes that he doesn't know I'm actually alive. Okay? And an example of fawn is that like, I'm working at a store and a group of people come in to rob the store and I like choose to play along as an accomplice in hopes of getting out safe. Like, I don't know what to do. Oh, hey, yeah, let's, let's get everything, you know, get out of here safe. Okay? <laughs> Okay, now here is the interesting part of what we know through researching the brain. We know that although the response happens too quickly to choose them, it shows that when we are in tune with our emotions, when we actually realize what's going on, when we are in tune with them, it can help us identify when we are having a fear moment and studies show that we can reactivate the logical side of our brain and choose a different way. Yeah. We can train our brains to respond differently to fear. Isn't that amazing? 
Okay, now this is where I get really excited because my two like passions of study collide, okay? Science is showing us what Paul um, like told us eons ago. Yeah. Almost as if God had a sovereign plan and purpose in doing so. Okay? This is what Paul tells us in Romans 12. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Translation, don't have those four different responses that are typical. Okay? But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So that you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, when we put together what we know about our brains alongside of scripture, it gives us a recipe for living in and walking out of fear in a different way that is counter-cultural to this world. Kind of like God telling us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Even when our brains alert the fear response, God graciously gives us answers in scripture for how to train our brains differently. We can choose a different response through abiding in Jesus. Walking with him, we can interpret life through a different lens. We can renew our minds, train our brains to walk in the hope of Jesus Christ. It's possible. So, What do we train our brain's response to be when our fear of emotion is triggered? Well, for that answer, I want to look back at Hezekiah's story because in his story, we can see what our trained response should be. After Hezekiah tears his clothes, he first like changes his clothes, gets a new pair on. But then immediately he goes into the temple and is led to ask for prayer from others And he prays for himself. Our trained response to fear needs to be prayer. Hezekiah sends a message to Isaiah, who is a prophet. He pleads for help from Isaiah and asks him to pray on their behalf. And while Isaiah offers back a promise from the Lord that King Senna will not only back off, but will be killed... It is hard for Hezekiah to passively wait for that to happen because King Senna is still actively threatening him. Battle's coming. Are you prepared? Hezekiah's fear is great. Instead of gearing up and preparing his troops for battle, instead of crafting a persuasive speech to all of the people in his kingdom, instead of laying out great plans, instead of just choosing inactiveness or retreating, he chooses to go into the temple and surrender in prayer to God. This is what he says, O Lord, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone rested the heavens, And the earth, bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the king of Assyria have destroyed all these nations, and they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all. 
only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you, O Lord, are God. When we perceive danger and our brains trigger the emotion of fear, we as children of the Lord have to, I'm going to say we get to, train our brains to respond by communicating with the God of the universe. We get to loosen the grips of our hands that we have, loosen the grip of our emotions that we have on them, and we get to place them in the hands of the one who holds all. The one whose name is power. The one whose name is healing and life. Now, this past couple of weeks leading up to uh, this message, it has been a trip, you guys. Anytime that you um, prepare to speak, the Lord has to like work it out in your life before he actually qualifies you to speak on it. So um, the past couple of weeks, I have sat with a couple different people going through hard, dark valleys. And I'm a helper by nature. So when I can fix things or when I can offer someone something to get help, um, I do it. Okay? These people, they didn't need anything that I could offer them. They needed me to intercede before our God. They needed his power, his control, his deliverance, his hope. And I was happy to respond in prayer on their behalf and speak the name of Jesus over them. Now, concurrently, I also had to prepare this message, okay? Um, And I was getting so frustrated because I so badly wanted to craft words for today's message just in the right way so that you guys would find me intellectual, that you guys would like deem me fit of my job, that you guys would find me helpful. I wished for new insight on the topic of fear so that I could walk up here and enlighten you and that I would help you guys all with your crippling, like, um, crippling fear that you have over your life. And it wasn't until I met with my spiritual director later on in the week that she just laughed at me. She was like, oh, <laughs> Amy, can you hear yourself? <laughs> mm. She said, it was your joy and honor to stand in prayer for people in their darkest places this week and now you're fearful yourself and you don't even think to pray? You don't think prayer is a viable option for you? How well trained is your response? (laughs) And I just hit (laughs) now. Fear is real. It is a natural emotion in this broken world. I don't have the answers. Praise God, I don't have the answers and I'm not here with anything new for you today the answer has been and always will be Jesus I have the honor of reminding us to train our brains to respond in prayer to the never changing all knowing loving God who does have all the answers There's supernatural power in prayer that's not of this world. When Hezekiah prayed, 
Shocker, God delivered. (laughs) Through his prophet Isaiah, God told Hezekiah that there would be no invasion during his time as king and that King Senna would be killed. And guess what? God answered. He did exactly as he said he would. That night, this is what it says, that night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. One day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nishrach, his sons Adremelech and Shazier killed him with their swords. Supernatural power. God delivered. Our trained response needs to be surrendering to God in prayer. At the beginning of today, I shared that our prayer for us when we're in the middle of walking through the valley of fear is that we will experience tangible, the tangible presence of God. Because God's presence often seems so distant when we're in the state of fear. It can be paralyzing. So today I want to end with a visual representation of what this tangible presence of God might look like in the valley of fear, when we choose to be in relationship with him and pray, okay? Worship team, you guys can come on up. Um, I'm going to invite my son Mason up here to help me with this. Everyone say hello, Mason. All right, he's kind of nervous. So take all of his energy, nervous energy. Okay, so the prophet of Judah uh, the prophecy of Judah being overtaken by the, Assyri- by the Babylonians, it actually does take place. The whole kingdom falls to the Babylonian. And the prophet Jeremiah writes a whole book of lament over this happening. It's called, the book is called Lamentations, okay? Um, you can read about it on your own time. But in the middle of chapter 3, he gives a great picture of hope that is given to us in the valley. Here's what it says. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Now, when we are in, you doing okay? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Fear. When we are in the valley, and we are overwhelmed, when we are paralyzed by fear, we often look like this. Out. Okay. (laughs) When we follow the Lord, and our trained response 
is to cry out in prayer. It is promised. We just read it. It is promised that he hears us and that he offers mercy. Now, mercy, it sounds a lot like this. Mason, you have been shown compassion and forgiveness. Walk and be free. That's what it sounds like. Let me show you what it looks like. This, he carries us. His mercies are new, okay? Now, because of what the Lord promises, he isn't going to just let us stay here, okay? There's this thing called grace. Hebrews 4 says this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive mercy and he will find grace to help us when we need it most. Ephesians says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So when we choose to have faith in our Lord Jesus, when we surrender in prayer, his mercies catch us. He saves us by his grace then. Grace sounds a lot like, all right, Mason, there's this gift. It's right over there. Walk. We're incapable of it. His grace, this is what it looks like. Okay. By God's grace, he moves us forward. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> this process of being in the valley, training our brains in prayer, being caught in his mercy and moving forward in grace, that process sounds a lot like hope to me. It sounds a lot like the hope that we are offered in our darkest valley by our faithful, faithful God. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we are thankful, so thankful that every time you say, do not fear, it is coupled with the promise of your presence. Do not fear for I am with you. So Father, we come today. Help us loosen our grip a little bit. And would your supernatural power do the rest? As we loosen our grip on our emotions and our responses, would your spirit help us to train, renew our brains and train us to pray, to come to you, to surrender to you and say, I can't do this but you can. 
would your mercy catch us? We know it will. So Father, we come today and fall knowing full well that your mercy will catch us. And the gift that you give us in your grace, you will lead us somewhere. We respond to you now, Lord. Catch us, lead us as we come to you. Thanks,
this, right? And do, that's the way we are. We're people of grace. That's how we get through every day, by the goodness of Jesus. If you're new to our community and this whole thing that we talked about today is, I mean, maybe you don't even know what it's like to be in his grace. He's speaking to you today. He wants you to know. He wants to hear you. Uh, if you need prayer granted today, there's, there's a great way to get connected. Just fill out these cards. We want to get to know your name and your story and come alongside you because even as the body of Christ, we get to do some carrying of each other. We carry each other's burdens. It's part of the story. And so as we leave today, understand the king of the universe has got his arms underneath your arms and he is taking you one step at a time. And let's be a people who leave this place, who see those who are in various valleys and come alongside and carry them as Christ carries us. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you.